Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Learning with the Lion, a community read-through of the Gospel of Mark. Over the summer of 2023, members of the Ligonier community are coming together to walk through a 13-week exploration of Jesus' life, practicing reading the Bible together and asking what it means for everyday life. For more information, visit epiphanyligonier.org mark, where you can also sign up for our companion e-newsletter. Think of your favorite TV, movie, or book character. What is it about the character that you enjoy so much? Do you relate to the character's struggles, or does the character have a similar value to yours? Did the character maybe represent something that you longed for in yourself? Or did the character behave in a way that's evoked something in your spirit? Those are adult questions, but you can see the concepts played out with kids. When a kid loves a TV character, it's easy to see why. It's almost a reflection of the kiddo's values and personality and identity as the child develops into adulthood. My three-year-old son is a fan of Paw Patrol, and in Paw Patrol there's the German Shepherd police dog, the Dalmatian fire dog, the yellow hat construction English bulldog, there's the girl dog who has a jetpack and can fly, there's the ice and snow husky girl dog, and the reason the show has so many dogs, and one of the reasons why it's so popular with kids is because it makes space for people with different personalities to connect with the show. Psychologists call this narrative identification. We identify with a character and its experience, and so we lower our defenses and experience the emotions and circumstances of that character's story for ourselves. When Harry Potter feels like the hardened Professor Snape has it out for him, we enter that story at a deeper level if we've had conflict with hard teachers when we were in school. As Roald Dahl's orphan girl with special powers, Matilda, grows closer to her teacher, Miss Honeybee, we too remember the adults who loved us when we were having hard times as kids. Narrative identification is most likely to happen as a character makes connections with our own life experience. When it comes to the Bible, there are many opportunities that we can have narrative identification with the people we encounter. Abraham trusts God and sets out on an adventure to follow him and inherit a promised land. And so maybe the more adventurous among us become eager to flip the page and read more about Abraham's journey. Elijah collapses exhausted after the great fiery showdown against the prophets of Baal, despondent that even in victory, the people of Israel aren't giving up their false gods. Anyone who's ever been depressed or fearful, burnt out, frustrated, despondent, they can relate. Timothy receives letters from his close mentor and father figure, St. Paul. And anyone who's had a close mentor or a father figure knows how special that relationship can be. What our reading from Mark 14 teaches us is that while we may connect with many of the people in the Bible, and their stories, their life situations, there's one person we can't do this with. We are welcome to identify and find common connection with just about every person mentioned in the Bible, Old or New Testament, man or woman, king or beggar. Some of us may even find common cause with the bad guys of the Bible, and our sympathies may be invoked, or people whose failures and faults aren't resolved. But there's one person we cannot identify with according to this week's reading, and that person is Jesus. <laughs> now, here's what I mean. Our reading from Mark 14 this week goes out of its way to set Jesus apart from every other person. He is unique in his obedience to God. He's unique in his ability to submit to suffering. He's unique in his righteousness. 
Simply put, there's no one like Jesus. Conversely, throughout this whole gospel, Mark highlights how everyone falls short of Jesus' standard. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, the political leadership of Judah and Galilee, the crowds, his family, especially his disciples, they all misread Jesus, assuming that he has come to fulfill their expectations of God's saving work, not realizing that their expectations are wrong. Nowhere is this more true than the disciples. Mark goes out of its way to paint the disciples in an unflattering way. For the past six chapters, they have been consistently misunderstood and confused by Jesus' teaching. They're concerned about greatness, they're concerned about status, they're obsessed with propriety. Despite Jesus' repeated rebukes and his insistence that loving service is the true way of the Messiah, their hearts remain hard. The climax of this theme comes in our reading today. At the Last Supper, Peter and the other ten disciples, ten because Judas was the betrayer, presumably not there, they all assure Jesus that they will die with him in his ministry should it come to that. We will lay down our lives for you, they say. A few hours later, they are proven wrong and exposed. When the enemy comes to arrest Jesus, and when Jesus surrenders to them, they flee. They are figuratively exposed as unfaithful cowards, just like the young naked man in our reading who was literally exposed in his flight. Which is to say, Mark's gospel paints Jesus as a solitary and unique figure, someone who is constantly misunderstood by those around him. His faith, his preaching, his motivations, nobody understands what Jesus came to do until much, much later. Which means we better be extremely careful when we begin to identify with Jesus in any of our readings. Here's what I mean. When we get angry at religious corruption, which is a very real thing, let's be very careful reading Jesus' cleansing of the temple and not compare our zeal for righteousness to his. When we see Jesus go off into the wilderness to be tempted, let's not think that our temptations are as strong as his or our resistance to those temptations as virtuous as his. When the disciples invite Jesus to come and take up their cross and follow him, let's be very realistic about the fact that even though we do know about Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, we have more in common with the disciples than Jesus himself. We are just as prone to missing the mark as they are. When you read through the gospel then, as you build in your mind's eye the scene that Mark describes, don't put yourself in the place of Jesus. Do not put yourself in the place of the hero, dunking on the Pharisees, healing the sick and poor. Instead, we are but humble flies on the wall, bystanders in the crowd. What happens next in Mark's gospel especially is not something that you or I can relate to. Thinking that we are like Jesus, identifying with Jesus, it puffs us up and makes us proud. It fills us with unearned confidence and misguided zeal. Instead, we witness Jesus' actions and reflect on how we're not like him, how we are not without blemish or sin in our own humanity, but he is. Doing this will lead to humility and gratitude and devotion, which is, in the end, the core of the Christian's heart. Epiphany Anglican Fellowship in Ligonier, Pennsylvania.